When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Well, the Reds got the job done, but only just. I'm here with James... Kiva and Andy, and we'll talk about Mo Salah's goal-scoring heroics, weigh up the pros and cons of Trent's tactical shift, and we'll also look ahead to Wednesday's trip to see our old mate David Moyes at West Ham. But as usual, we'll begin with those three words. Kiva, three words. I'm on mute. <laughs> There's me three words. No, um, I was just going to say one more win. Bit basic, I know. I'm yeah. very good some weeks. I really get it. And then other weeks, I'm not very good. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's, it is. It's difficult to sum up everything in three words, isn't it? But Andy always does it beautifully. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I'd go with, got there eventually. Because what should have been routine, obviously wasn't. But then Liverpool just don't do routine anymore, do they? No, no, not at all. James, your view the same? It, it was it was more difficult than perhaps we anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to go for unconvincing but vital um, because at this stage of the season, who, who cares how you get over the line? Just just get over the line and try and build a little bit of momentum in a season that's the, the, where Liverpool have had precious little of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, my view is the same as I always quote Al Davis, you know, the legendary owner of the of the the Raiders in American football. Just win, baby, and I think that's the, <laughs> the most important thing. But we'll see what they're saying on the walk on Facebook page. Tom Hale says grinding out results. Steve Riley relieved to win. Andrew Bell set piece defending exclamation mark. Raphael Reiter Diogo's back. Virgil is not. That's six words, Raphael. It's six words. It's supposed to be three. Will you stop it, please? To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Okay, well, a win's a win. Bit nervy. Very nervy. James, it was a bit too close for comfort, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a strange game to make sense of because Liverpool was so comfortable for most of that first half and, you know, absolutely dominated possession. I was, you know, at one point I looked on the Opta stats and it was 85 ticking on to 86% of the ball Liverpool had, yet they actually really struggled to create, especially from open play. And yeah, Navas had, had very little to do in that in that first half. I think the, the only opportunities were from set pieces and and that, and that proved to be a sign of, of what followed in a pretty chaotic second half because um you know thank god for liverpool's threat from set pieces because the quality of those deliveries forest defended them about as badly as i've ever seen anyone defend set pieces in the premier league but at the other end it was it was equally chaotic with with those long throws sparking absolute panic 
a masterclass of bad set piece defending, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was very, very strange to see. Yeah, two teams so bad at dealing with what is essentially the basics of the game. You know, the two goals Liverpool conceded were, were dreadful in terms of so many players getting pulled towards the ball. You know, and not reacting quickly enough to the danger and and not not winning second balls, which um, yeah, it proved a real a real threat for Forest. And you know, in, in the end, they could easily have salvaged the point. So um, yeah, yeah, there are lots of holes in the performance. And I think obviously we'll come on to talk about the system where you know it was having worked so well against Leeds, um, what five days earlier, you know, it was Forest did a job on Liverpool to a large extent in terms of stopping them play. Um, Letting them have the ball, knowing that they could they could stop the supply lines. Yeah, well, that that's what bothered me a little bit, Kiva. Is the Lekanati have the ball, didn't he? And the man marked Trent Lekanati have the ball, and then so yeah, we'll go from there. And it seemed to have a, a, a big effect on on Liverpool's game. Well, it's like James said, there. It's a good job Liverpool's set pieces were up to a very high standard because I mean I caught bits of the game obviously watch the highlights and the first like five things are just Trent hitting the ball I think from a obviously a dead ball situation which I think sums up the game pretty much and just shows maybe the onus now on Trent to be that creative player and sometimes maybe I think we might come to see that it might not always work out for Liverpool because you know such almost pressure is placed on him obviously he delivered and Andy Robertson also delivered at the weekend, but it, it just felt like one of those games, didn't it, where Liverpool just needed to get a win and get across the line because it felt a lot like that's the kind of game that they've lost this season and they didn't lose. So I think can we take a positive from that? But then it was kind of a good thing because it reminded us of how bad the season's been in moments as well. Yeah. And so oh, we did our blue friends a favour, didn't we, Andy? I mean, that's is that a good thing? <laughs> Um, well, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I guess it depends if you want to make side derby next season, doesn't it, or not? Um, yeah. but yeah, I think I think the, the big positive was how Liverpool responded to adversity again. I and mean, we touched on it after the Leeds game and and the goal where where Leeds got back into it. And it, you know, again, Liverpool go one up, they go two one up. But on both occasions, you know, after the Forest level, Liverpool scored pretty quickly. Um, and I think that's a positive sign because what we've we've seen a lot this season is. You know when teams have scored, Liverpool have, have not been able to react, and and therefore, you know the game has has continued on at a certain scoreline, and sometimes gone got even worse for Liverpool. But I think that was what was really pleasing was despite the issues and, and bits and pieces of the system and and how Forest sort of you know set up to deal with it, Liverpool was still able to to make sure that they they got themselves back in front in the game, and I think that was that was a pleasing. I mean, time. we we went. You know, for weeks and weeks and weeks, talking about them going behind first and, you know, not being able to, to get back into the game. Uh, you know, at least that doesn't seem to be the issue now, does it, James? No, I think, again, there were signs of that that backbone coming back a bit. And, not, you know, we've, we've, we've seen that, haven't we? In, in those, those past three games to fight back like they did against Arsenal to then, you know, overcome a pretty shaky opening half hour at Ellen Road. And then on the weekend, you know, you know, yes, of course, it helps when you're when you're playing at Anfield rather than than elsewhere. But again, not to panic, not to lose their heads when you know to get pegged back twice in the way they did, and and to to find a way to win because you know for most of this season we've been talking about Liverpool finding ways to lose when 
<laughs> and you think it, it can't it can't get worse. It, it does. So it, it, it has done. So it's always a lot nicer, isn't it? Picking picking faults after a win. You know that that's a knack that Liverpool have, have lost for so much of this season. That ability to to do enough to get over the line. Yeah, and Jota, Kiva, four goals in a week after going so long without scoring. Jota with lots of space and a finish to match. Unbelievable. I mean, they come like buses, don't they? In the match day programme, I think he there was an interview with him and he kind of mentioned something about Cristiano Ronaldo once saying that I think he went through a bit of a drought and when the when it does happen for you, you sort of play and catch up then and it, it all comes to you. And I think he's sort of like maybe in his past year is that's the, the quotes he's almost remembered and, and drawn on. And now he just looks like, you know, he could have had a hat-trick there quite easily. And I think obviously we have to talk about that second goal because that is right up there as one of the very best goals you'll see scored. I think, you know, to take the touch like he does off his chest, then it drops to his knee and then just to hit it and to know where the goal is and everything that's happened. And in that two seconds to be able to pull that off. I think sometimes we forget like how difficult those things are to do because we watch it. So we kind of like set a high standard in our own mind of what we should be seeing. But when we see things like that, we should really just, you know, give Jotter his flowers because that was unbelievable. And it's just good to see him back with that confidence. Like you forget how big confidence is with players. He looks now like a player who might drift in and out of games a little bit still. And I thought probably did that against Forrest, but he turns up in the right moment. And that's, I think, what, Every Liverpool fan has loved about Jota. The you know, I think did he get a bit of a nickname, Jota the Slaughter or something, because he he was just there to score goals. And I think that is now what we're seeing from him again. He still got it. Maybe we worried a little bit that he'd lost it, but it's always been there. And I think that bodes well, not just for the rest of this season, but for next season as well. Because goals, as we know, uh, Liverpool have been crying out for them at times. Yeah, and 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 he's he gives something a little bit different to the other forwards, doesn't he, Andy? I think so. I think I think it is that poaching element, his his knack of knowing where to be and being in the right place at the right time, but also his his hunger to stick the ball in the back of the net. I mean, the way he attacks that that for that first goal, there would be a few a few strikers who maybe wouldn't have gone in with us as you know with the same conviction, knowing that they might get hurt and they might get might get headed by a Forest player. I don't necessarily think not that Liverpool, you know the the other Liverpool strikers don't have that sort of striking or goal scoring instinct, but. He definitely seems to pop, be the one who pops up in those areas time and time again, um, and it's, it's not necessarily about his all-round game at times. And, and as, as Kiva mentioned, he can drift in and out, but when he's in form, you know that if Liverpool keep creating chances, he's going to be there at some point, and he's going to stick one in the back of the net. Yeah. I- one encouraging thing as well at the game, James, was the banner the Forest fans displayed. Um, respect the 97, you know, no tragedy chanting, uh, solidarity with survivors. I mean, I've been speaking to one of the organisers of that, that uh, this group for quite a while. And, I mean, Forest, obviously Forest fans were there on the day of Hillsborough. They witnessed everything that happened. And you'd think they should have been our biggest allies over the years, but they haven't, actually. They've been one of the biggest sets of Hillsborough deniers of all groups of fans. So this is a really positive move, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a nice moment, yeah, to see to see what you know, fifty four thousand people in St. Amford all all applauding when that when that banner went went up early on in the game. And you, you just hope it does it does reverberate 
around the Premier League and, and further afield as well, because yeah, you, you, you're right, Tony Forrest haven't you know that they, they haven't always stood shoulder to shoulder with with Liverpool in all the years since. So that was it felt like a really positive move, especially on the back of all the the horrible bile that we've seen in in recent months, where you know it, it definitely has got worse, and you've got you know the you know, the constant depressing stream of you know club statements having to be issued and condemnation, and you see. You know, it happened at you know against Chelsea. It happened against Manchester City. So yeah, you just it wouldn't it be nice to think that that you know a big a big public show of solidarity like that that you know that did that that did you know would have been witnessed by you know a lot of people across across the country. You'd like to think that does draw a line under it, and and we can you know finally see the back of it because it's just it's just been thoroughly like depressing that it's been such a growing theme during this season. Yes, hats off for the Forest fans for that. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In from Salah. It's another goal from a free kick in this game. And Mo Salah continues to take his place alongside some Liverpool greats. Tony Evans here with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones with Walk On. Mohamed Salah now level with Robbie Fowler on 183 goals in 71 fewer games. 71 fewer games. That's outrageous, that, isn't it, Kiefer? It is ridiculous, isn't it? When you look as well, he's three behind Gerrard and obviously in the amount of games less he's scored as goals, he will go ahead of Gerrard into the top five all-time Liverpool goal scorers probably before this season's out. I think his his goal record across the seasons has been ridiculous and he's probably been almost like overlooked this season, which is, I think, now speaks for just how, I mean, I guess how Liverpool's season's gone. But in terms of goals and assists this season, he's he's right up there as, you know, among the best in Europe as where he's been for the past few seasons and still scoring winning goals in front of the cop, which obviously is an important thing for Liverpool. Can you even... Like I've probably ran out of words to describe how brilliant he is and his impact just on this Liverpool team. He's just absolutely wonderful, isn't he? Is it, is it me, Andy, or does he still feel underrated? I think he does, particularly externally. I think I think there's there's a continued growing appreciation of just how good he is, and I think some of the the criticism at times this season has been unwarranted, and I think a lot of his issues have have stemmed from the team not being set up in a way that that gets the best out of him and you know how many times have we have we seen him where he's he's isolated or you know he's been crowded out of things and, and that's that's not necessarily his fault that's a consequence of what's what's sort of going on around him and, and the support um that he wasn't getting but to still put up those numbers in in this season I think you sort of forget don't you because some of the goals have come in in games where Liverpool haven't won and therefore it doesn't feel like you know they count in a sense, um, but I do think I, I still do think he's underrated. I think he hasn't been at the levels necessarily he was say eighteen months ago when he was being talked about as, as the best player in the world. 
Uh, but even then, that was from Liverpool fans primarily, wasn't it? When when that talk was going on, and you know, you still feel like he's people don't aren't convinced by him, and it's it's that bizarre thing, isn't it? It's like in a sense that Harry Kane, that one season wonder type thing, and then Kane has, has consistently won golden boots and scored twenty plus goals every season, and Salah's Salah's very much the same. It's his productivity is just. You know, it's 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 in, insane, really. Where would they have been without him this season, James? <laughs> Bottom half of the table. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, Everton, probably. It's, uh, when you when you, you know, him and him and Allison probably you know two of the few that can that can probably look at themselves and think, yeah, I've I've really done myself justice for for the most part of the season. It is unbelievable that they twenty seven goals in all comps, eleven assists. I mean that's the, that's the kind of a season that most elite strikers and attackers can can let their only dream of, and that and yet for most Salah that's like well he's been all right like he hasn't he hasn't really like yeah. hit his straps really this season. Um, you know of course you know, his numbers would be even better if if he if he'd slotted a couple of those penalties away as well. Um, but yeah, amazing to think that he's only you know if he scores another five goals this season, which you wouldn't put it past him, it will be his second most prolific season for Liverpool that he's had you know since his first one when he broke all those records with forty four goals in all comps. So I think thirty one is is his best, um, is his kind of second best. So he's closing in on that. You know if he if he continues to set the standards like he has done for another few years, still only thirty, then then you're in a conversation about you know Salah, Gerrard. Dog leash and yeah, the, the talk about him going easy after signing that big pay rise and the new contract last summer's definitely definitely gone quiet again. I think I think there was never any chance of that. That's not Salah. Do you think there's maybe like a, a Haaland factor to how like I guess all players in the Premier League are now being judged and maybe Salah throughout the season, Nunes as well, obviously the new sign and alongside Haaland. I think now people are almost judging Salah's efforts maybe this season on the basis of what's happening elsewhere and also on what we've mentioned, what's happening at Liverpool and it has been an unsuccessful season, whatever way you look at it. So to give players plaudits when it's not going well maybe is a more difficult thing to do. But I do think maybe we're generally, people are judging players in a different way now you know Erling Haaland the, the robot has arrived in the Premier League yeah he's certainly changed the he's lifted the bar hasn't he um, but I do think that if Liverpool were top of the league or if Arsenal's place now I think people would be raving about Salah but in many ways it's harder to score in a team that's not playing well than uh, well, not in many ways. It is harder to score in a crap team than a good team, isn't it? You know, it's like, let's be, let's be honest about it. The other thing that's interesting is whether this tweak in the system will work in Salah's favour. Let's see what Virgil van Dijk said about the new tactics. It's a work in progress, but we, but we all like it. and um, But we have to be able to... Um to change as well, I think, in, in, in times. And sometimes Trent has to drop, sometimes Trent has to go higher and other players have to drop. So we keep working on it and, and on it. And um, and I think the manager has been um, been saying it many times. She knows the, the counter-press. If everyone comes across and makes this, the pitch as small as possible, we have a big chance to win the ball back if we lose it. And um, and, and everyone has to feel the freedom in possession to, to be important. So um, that's what we try to do. Yeah, I mean... I'm not entirely convinced, Andy, at this stage. Uh, what were your thoughts? I think it was the, the biggest sort of indication or, or template for opposition um, teams moving forward of how you can 
sort of negate Trent in particular because you know there was a lot of talk about the amount of touches and the amount of passes he made against Leeds and how involved and how he ran the game basically and, and those were significantly lower against Forest. It's it's still in the early stages, but as teams get more more data and more footage and can do more analysis, they'll all work out different ways of how to try and stop this system working for Liverpool. And then it's it, the onus is on Liverpool to make the tweaks or just be or just be better. You know, to to make such a a huge shift in your you know in what you're trying to do in, in your setup in your shape is a big ask. And you think how how much better Liverpool will be if they continue to use this system. You know, if they've got a full pre-season, if they bring a couple more midfielders in who can play that. I think it was interesting Klopp referred to the two higher midfielders as 10s rather than 8s, which is a bit of a shift, the 6s and 10s rather than, you know, the, the 6 and 2 8s, which is what Liverpool's midfield has been. So that was quite interesting in terms of how that might factor into to player profiles that they're looking at in terms of midfield. But I think these are you are going to have growing pains. You know, you're not going to change the system and, and suddenly everything works and you are going to come up against different oppositions trying different things. So Liverpool will be able to use what Forrest did now and look at that and see how they set up and go on, right, well, okay then, if that's what an opposition is going to do, what do we need to do to move Trent into you know, a different position to get on the ball? What what do we need from, from other players around them to, to make sure that there's a creative influence and it's not just all on Trent because what you don't want this system to come in to become is if you stop Trent, you stop Liverpool. You need to have... Other players, you know, in different parts of the pitch affecting the game and, and being, you know, those creative sparks as well. So I think I'm happy with it at the moment. I think you can see what the problems could be from it. And I, I don't think anyone should be completely convinced by it yet because there are those growing, growing pains. But equally, this is what Liverpool have got to build up and, you know, going into next season. And, and that's when you would hope to see it, you know, really shine when they've had loads of training time on it. They needed something, didn't they, to rejuvenate them, and particularly Trent. I thought some games he just looked completely like unrecognisable. Now he's back to his very best. You know, even if it is from set pieces, he's his, his body language has changed, hasn't it? His body language—he just looks so confident. He looks like the best player on the pitch. He did against Leeds. His shoulders are back. He just looks like I'm going to do something with this ball now, and it's going to be amazing every time he plays the ball. And I think just to rejuvenate your most creative player can have you know that knock-on effect on the rest of the team which we're seeing it's just it's made it more enjoyable for the players and I think for fans to watch it's like they were crying out for a change and this simple change has maybe you know brought some of of Liverpool's potentially best football of the season so I think that sort of brings hope that little changes like this even though it feels like quite a big one in a way can just make Liverpool better and they can keep evolving because there was points in the season where I think we were all thinking like What's next? Can they sort of have a rebirth? And I think maybe we're starting to see the the baby steps and signs of that now. Mm, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's like things I never thought I'd see in football. Man marking a fullback. It's it's really surreal. But talking of fullbacks, James, Jürgen spoke about the impact of this change on Andy Robertson, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's it's had a knock-on effect for everyone, hasn't it, in terms of... It was interesting, actually, speaking to Van Dyke afterwards, that he said, you know, I, I went on to ask him and said, you know, what, you know, have you noticed, like, a change in trend? And he said, well, I said, he said, you know, I think there's been a change in everyone. He said, I think it's kind of insinuated it, it just focused minds and freshened things up, just doing something different and, and having something else to 
to think about and, and concentrate on. And and yeah, it is you can see it's a work in progress. I think, don't think any you know it was. I don't, I don't think Leeds away was was never going to be the you know the the kind of the time to judge it because Leeds were so poor. And other teams were never going to stand off and give Trent the kind of time and space he had at Ellen Road. But yeah, in terms of Robertson, Klopp was saying about how, yeah, Robertson does have to be a lot more selective in terms of when he does bump forward. Because, you know, when Liverpool are in possession, it's effectively a back three. So yeah, it's, it's, there's kind of, you said, you know, a lot of it just comes down to trying to pick the right decisions, ensuring the protection is there when, when Robertson does does venture forward and certainly a big knock-on effect for the two centre-halves as well. You know, Canate had a much more difficult day against uh, against Forest. I think he, you know, he, he saw so much of the ball because the usual kind of out ball for him, you know, to slot it into the feet of Trent or Fabinho was, to, you know, more often than not, it wasn't on because of the, the man-marking setup. And certainly early on, he, I think Canate just decided he was just going to start pinging some Hollywood passes and, and was giving the ball away you know, quite quite a lot, but um, I, I like the new system. I think you know whether it's whether it's the answer going forward. I'm not I'm not sure, but I think as Keeper said before, you know, I think something needed to change. It was you know it, it it felt like it had just gone a bit stale. I think something needed to change to, to get more out of Trent to play more to his strengths, and and it's certainly done that. So it's it's been useful so far, but um, I think Saturday was a reminder that you know the idea that just you know this little tweak. You know, bang! Everything's going to be great from now on. Is is pretty unrealistic. Yeah, it'll be, it's going to be interesting. Canate's performances in the last, you know, six games of the season, because if they're going to continue doing this, it's a lot of pressure on him. And we saw that. You know, Forrest, quite rightly, they do what teams do. They let the worst man on the ball have it. I mean, he played that pass, didn't he? Nearly uh, assisted Jota for what would have been, I think, his hat trick at that point. I think uh, he's. Pretty, you know, in the in the Joel Matip school of getting forward, which I think will suit Liverpool at points. But you can't depend on that. And I think sometimes Liverpool don't have a, an outlet. And I think that's why Trent being that in that position is good because then you've got that option for Canate to get forward or obviously Trent to do that in that position. I think Canate this season has been quite brilliant in some games where I'm just so convinced by him. And then there's there's been moments, I guess, where... You still kind of thinking he's he's still quite young, you know. He did just play in a a World Cup final not long ago. He's obviously played in a Champions League final for Liverpool. There's still, I think, levels that he can go to, and I think we'll see that to come. And this will be a great period for him because he is getting given the ball more, and there's a lot more, I guess, pressure on him to do that job. And I think we'll find out a lot more about him as a player. But I mean, in moments this season, he's been you know, walked off the pitch and everyone's been, yeah, he's the player of the match because when he's in that sort of, I'm going to lock down this defence, he's in that mood. And I think going forward, it's something if Liverpool want to next season mount a, a Premier League title challenge, which all, albeit feels very far away now, you know, he's going to be one of those players that's going to be absolutely key to that. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. This is Welcome from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pierce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, James, West Ham in the um, the London Stadium, I believe they call it now, one of the worst grounds in the Premier League. <laughs> and um, are they going to be looking West Ham? David Moyes, are they going to be looking at set pieces to try and bombard them after seeing what happened on Saturday? Yes, yeah, I think um, I think that is the the big worry going into Wednesday night. The fact that it's it's a it's another team where if there's any repeat of the kind of the lack of organisation and the lack of physicality at times that that hampered Liverpool against Forest, then West Ham are ideally suited to to make them pay for it because um, it it wasn't it wasn't acceptable on the weekend just how much panic was sparked every time those long throws were, were launched in and and you know set pieces in general weren't dealt with well enough. Um and then you know you watch I saw the highlights of West Ham dismantling Bournemouth 4 0 and I think I think two two of the four goals came from corners. You know, you you've got some like Mikel Antonio who's obviously you know a, a massive threat aerially. I think I think one of Declan Rice, I think one of his goal came from came from a corner as well. So yeah and it's I think it looks you know, yes, Liverpool are in better form than they were a few weeks ago, but so are West Ham. It's certainly a trickier game than than it looked. You know, go back a few weeks and you thought it felt then that Moyes was probably one defeat away from the sack. But yeah, I think you know, especially on the back of their big European win last week, and then going to Bournemouth and winning, and you, know, you look at the table now and you think, you know, they're, they're not they're not safe. But I, I, I don't two wins probably from being completely safe. So. Um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky, and and certainly the biggest test so far, I think, for for this system, the fact that it is that it is away from home against a team who are on a bit of an upward curve themselves. Do you think we're going to see, um, and do you think we're going to see uh, Nunes in this game? I think there's a decent chance. Um, I think Josh, Josh has played started the last five, so you wonder if that this might be the you know the the time when when Klopp decides to to give him a little bit of a, a rest. I mean, I thought Klopp's. Comments on Nunes um, were really interesting in terms of that that long long term planning or element to, to it. I mean, even to to talk about the physicality of West Ham, which you know they're going to bring, Nunes certainly helps in that in that regard. But I think you're also looking for. I think what what Liverpool struggled with a little bit against Forest was at times that lack of you know running and behind just to, just to stretch the pitch vertically a little bit, which. Which would have given Forrest a little bit, and then Jota, when Jota did it, you know, Canati finds him, and you know he, he gets a good chance from it. Um, and I think that's what Nunes can offer that sort of little bit, little bit difference in in terms of that pacing behind him. We know Salah can, but in his role where he's dropping a little bit deeper at times, he's not always in the position to to make those runs. So I think Nunes could be a you know really important in in this game in terms of just offering something a little bit different. But then equally, 
you know, Klopp hasn't hasn't changed his, his team. The, the last three have you know have, have been the same lineup. It's the first time in, in over three years, so we might just want to continue that that momentum. Yeah, I mean, I've mixed feelings about it because you know you go winning sides, you've got Jota on a roll. You know, don't change things, Kiva. But on the other hand, these games because we know they're not going to make the Champions League bar an, an absolute miracle, but does give. Klopp the chance to experiment to, you know, just try a few things. I guess it's kind of a balancing act, isn't it, between experimenting, which is kind of what they're doing right now, obviously with the Trent role and the knock-on effect we've mentioned of that, and then also just sort of keeping momentum as well in his team, which kind of need it, you feel, to keep building up this sort of togetherness and sort of also a winning streak. I think don't think Liverpool have you know, one more than, is it four games in a row this season in the Premier League or something like that? To to continue and end the season on a better note would be to sort of keep the team together. But part of me just pitches the London Stadium and Nunes and just thinks he's going to have a field day, potentially could do, because he's been rested quite a bit, got loads of energy and could just, you know, you can almost picture him having fun there, couldn't you? Um it's a tricky game where do you think is it better to just keep the team together who've just played and then obviously a Tottenham, uh, a home to Tottenham on the Sunday, maybe that's time to sort of unleash Nunes against a team who are struggling quite quite badly. Yeah, in the background, you might have heard like a uh, truck being reversed and Guy, our producer, just messaged me and said, is that Moisey getting the bus parked and already? <laughs> and it could well be. James, do you think... Do you think it's going to be one of those situations where West Ham are going to put a blanket defence and they're going to just try and kill the game, get away with a point? Yeah, I, I can certainly see Moyes setting West Ham up to to frustrate Liverpool and then look to look to hit them on the on the counter attack. We've seen that before, haven't we? With the you know, I know Bowen probably hasn't had a hasn't hit the heights that he was at last season, but you know he can he can be a menace. You look at. You know, I really, I really like Declan Rice as a as a player, and you know, you, you look at the goal he scored last week, and then again against Bournemouth yesterday, he was so influential. So they do, they do have some real, real dangerous players in there that that can that can that can do you damage. And they, you know, of they course should they, be a top ten team, really. Should yeah, they? I mean, yeah, they've got they, enough they, talent. They, yeah, they've massively, massively underachieved this season, especially. You know, and I, th- and I know it's difficult when you know they they're only probably only the last couple of years got into the kind of the kind of the demands of European football and getting to grips with that. But they you know they spent a fair bit of money as well. You know, on the back of what were they last season? They were certainly top seven or eight, weren't they? So um, yeah, really interesting to see how Klopp approaches it. I'd, I'd be surprised if he mixed it up much. Um, yeah, Nunes. I think what has he only started one of the last five? Interesting as well hearing Klopp talking about how his English is still you know an issue. And and saying that you know things will be a lot easier for Darwin, you know when he when he can can speak English better, you know I think we all know what he's referring to there. It's that work off the ball, isn't it? That's why that's why Klopp has consistently picked Gagpo in that number nine role because he knows exactly what he's going to get from Gagpo. The standout quote for me from Klopp on Friday before the Forest game was he said, you know we've got six elite attackers, obviously only five available at the moment with Firmino having picked up a hamstring problem. But he said, you know, counter-pressing is the ticket into this team. And, you know, at the minute, that is probably what is letting Darwin Nunes down. And I think he's had a, I think he's had a fine first season in terms of it's been okay. I think, um, you know, I think once he got 15 goals in all comps, I think, 
you know, someone pointed out to me the other day that Suarez, I think, only got 17 in all comps in his first full season at Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I, I've still got big hopes for Nunes. But, yeah, there's definitely the, the work that he has to put in to to prove to Klopp that he can command a, a regular starting spot, especially now that he's got Luis Diaz back available as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very much a work in progress. And as you say, his off-the-ball stuff is... It's not quite up to the standard that the manager requires as a keeper. No, I think there's still work to be done. And like James mentioned there, when Klopp spoke about Nunes and maybe a bit of a language barrier still, I think we forget how difficult it is for players to move to a, a new country, a new team, and obviously there'll be people who are able to communicate with them. But learning a language is a difficult thing and it's not done overnight. You know, it can take a year, two years or more, depends on how, you know, how much time you put in as well. And I'm sure they'll be be getting lessons from someone and, and have a tutor and that kind of thing. But that that is such a difficult thing, I think, for players, you know, because that sort of, um, you know, you'd imagine like Thiago is someone that's communicating with him. James Milner speaks Spanish as well. And I'm not sure about his, his other language skills, but that's something that we don't really, I guess, think about enough or talk about because there's a football language, isn't there? And like an instinctive language, which, you know, all footballers know and you could play, I guess, with, with anyone in that way. But then to take your game to the next level, I guess it's about understanding those little moments where Klopp pulls you aside and says little bits and, that sort of um, stuck out to me recently when I chatted to Jake Kane and Tom Clayton at Swindon and Jake Kane was saying those moments when you're, you're training and, and Klopp pulls you over and says little things about your game or a little bit of advice and that can just, you know, make a difference. That'll be something that maybe will stay with Jake for, for throughout his career. I think where Pep Linders is more the one who's, you know, motivating the team and training and that kind of thing. Maybe Klopp stands back a little bit more and wants to give those little bits of advice which maybe Nunes is getting but maybe obviously then it's translated and what's broken down in that translation so you know fingers crossed for him he, he takes to to English well and yeah I mean his football language is is pretty great isn't it anyway the important thing I think is the willingness like it's not like he's a lazy we're not sat here saying he's a lazy player and that would be the issue wouldn't it you know he, he when he wants to he can get involved defensively and we've you know we've seen him tap back for you know, to the edge of his own box at times to win the ball back. And I think that's important. You know, the willingness is there. It's just about refining it to get... And, and players, some players pick it up quicker than others, like Gakpo's come in and, you know, instantly has picked up how to, you know, to fit into this Liverpool pressing system. And I think Nunes is just taking a little bit more time with that. But the important thing is, you know, we're not looking at someone going, he doesn't want to do it. He wants to. It's just getting him to do it at the right points and within the team structure. Yeah, and so hopefully we'll see... We'll see much more from him in the coming weeks. Well, that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiva and Andy. And you as well for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday and hopefully there'll be a win at West Ham in the bag. I'm guaranteeing not enough. Tr- tried that earlier on the season and it didn't work. So let's hope three points in the East End. <laughs> Athletic.